0: Hi, and welcome to episode 281 of No Crying in Baseball, the We Don't Need No Stinking Badges episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth.
1: Hey, almost good morning. We are half half an hour into the afternoon, so this is this is brunch time. Right? We're Sunday brunch recording this week. Is that why our beer is pink? This is lovely. So you brought two very festive beers. One, I meant to save that last sip for for recording, but it was just so good that we downed it. And it was... The Dream Patch. By...
0: Umagang Brewery because why? Cooperstown. They're, they're in Cooperstown. So that seems like thematic. But mm-hmm. we also needed backup pink brunch worthy beer. So Absolutely. we just started. We've already finished our first beer during, during
1: prep. So now we've switched. And this is, oh, this is I Just Crush a Lot. Which, um, you know, that's a baseball thing. Sure, we can crush. We're crushing blueberry lemon hibiscus tart ale. And the survey says? survey
0: says, yes, please. All right. This is a local brewery. This is in Upper Marlboro.
1: I'm going to taste this.
0: This is close to us.
1: Mm. This is
0: Calvert Brewing.
1: All right, Patty wins the brunch beer brunch of beer. the week. This Hooray. is really good. I highly recommend brunch beer. This is nice. Yeah,
0: it's a nice thing. I, I kind of wish I was also eating brunch because this maybe an <laughs> That's empty right. stomach situation for me. So good
1: luck, everybody. All right, this will be fun. This will be super fun. So ha- have you had a good weekend overall? Like, have you done anything? Um,
0: yeah, actually, I had a movie night with Book Club and nice. they were excellent cocktails. Um, our host made us um, Italian mules, which are... Regular Moscow mules with the shot of her homemade limoncello, which is stunning. And I was walking, it was only two blocks away, so I had two. That is nice.
1: That sounds really good. We were just talking this morning about how, like, ginger beer, just put it with anything and call it some ethnicity of a mule right and you're good to go Well, sure we did the mules with chachos yeah so, yeah all right gotta stock up in that ginger beer Woo. we did some some movie watching also and i was very excited to see jorge alfaro in dune i did not know that in fact he was in the movie <laughs> dune have you seen dune i have seen dune the the new one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I saw, I've seen all the Dunes. Me too. I saw the old one. You would one have to Just back, by marriage. Yeah. Well, I'll, I think I, I think I definitely saw it pre-marriage because it came out like you know our high school time. I remember seeing it in high school, and the only thing I remembered about it was Sting, like that that you know, scene where you see him for the first time. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember anything about the plot. Like I remembered nothing. I read the book also. In- you read Dune. Yes, in grad school, Again, again, with the shock. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's a totally, totally understandable. <laughs> I had a little bit of a, um immersion in grad school. I read Dune aloud.
0: Oh, this is when you guys were doing your, like, story read-a-lades. time. Like, you exactly. Did, you didn't do, like, the Lord of the Rings we that way? We did
1: so much, so much, yeah. We did the Lord of the Rings. There was more than that. Um, I'm trying to, I can't think on my feet, clearly, right now. But, yes, this is how I got to, quote, read a lot of the books that... I should know, especially to hang out in the crowd that we hang out with. So, so I should have remembered a lot of Dune, but in fact, it was, you know, just a little bit surprising to me. And I did not know that, you know, the real it's Aquaman. Uh, Uh, Jason Momoa is the one who was shaved, though, but was very much thinking about Jorge Alfaro the whole time and noticing. I think that is a a fair comparison. I I think think there's a lot of similarity there. And I thought the movie was really good, and it does. And I do think it was better than the last one, even though I don't remember the last one. But yeah, no, absolutely, I thought it was good.
0: Yeah, the first one was a little bit of an embarrassment to those who are really true to the books, Mm. but it was still a fun watch.
1: Except for cliffhanger.
0: Well, I'm waiting for part two. Absolutely. We got to build that in. All right. I guess we got to turn to baseball, huh? Okay, let's do it. On today's show, we've got a boyfriend plus one for the ages. And I see you at Kike and I raise you in Manny. We've got boyfriends on the Guardians and the Mets. We've got new women coaches. We've got a police blotter featuring the pitch clock, the shift, and some missing umpires. We've got World Baseball Classic updates and cross-training with NHL Pride Nights. Cheers.
1: So much fun as always. So I wanted to just just do a little callback to the mention there of Jason Momoa, which is, who is, you know, one of, I think, most famous uh, actors, Hollywood people of Samoan descent. And there are a couple of baseball players, not Jorge Alfaro, who are actually of Samoan descent, including uh, Sean of of the Giants. Um, who's been clearly around for a while. But there's a rookie who's coming up, rookie catcher in spring training. I don't know if he's, if he's going to be making the team, but Blake Sable. And, and shit, I should have looked up his pronunciation. But we're going to just go with that. And, of course, this means that we have the first battery in MLB history where both the pitcher and catcher were of Samoan descent. And they both had a very different upbringing as far as their culture goes. And Sable is from uh, California and grew up in a, in a Samoan-influenced community and had the food and had the gatherings, whereas Sean Manea did not. They, they grew up in, like, Indiana, Midwest, something like that, and did not have Samoan culture and food around him. So Sable is now excited to have Sean Manea over for dinner when Mom is coming to cook oh. for him and introduce him to Samoan food and culture. Very nice. So super sweet. Um, Other super sweet, uh, not a battery, but uh, a couple of buddies that I'm going to start loving on the Red Sox. Kiki Hernandez, who I've been loving for a very long time, and Jester Turner, are just making a lot of news, both with plays between the two of them. They made a huge bang-bang play from, from short to first the other day. But also with just that joking around, that is what I absolutely love about Kike, and I absolutely love our listeners, because several of you, as well as Mr. Potty Mouth, and I think at least one other source, sent me the clip where (laughs) Justin Turner asked Kike about his most embarrassing moment, which happened in the 2020 playoffs, had to do with Kike taking antibiotics for a tooth infection, and I'm just going to lead you all to our notes in the link if you haven't seen it yet because kike tells it much better than i could and with a couple of expletives like i appreciated the fuck yeah um but go to go to kike's telling of it because It's just much better than I could. I can't do him justice. I can't do it.
0: I just want you to know that I saw that and Mm -hmm. didn't even think about sending it to you, knowing that you would have initially seen it and probably gotten it 17 ways from Sunday. So yay for that. Um, Hey, So uh, we're going to talk about our boyfriends later on. These are the guys that we picked profile on every team in the offseason. We each pick a guy per team. And then in in prior years, we hang on to those guys as former boyfriends. So we Mm -hmm. still keep track of them. And so I'm going to talk about a former boyfriend, um, Reese Hoskins from the Phillies. It's always a bonus for us when we profile these guys and we find out they've got a family member or a spouse or or, somebody else who's also pretty cool that can kind of come along for the ride. So it's like a plus one. In Reese's case, it's his wife, Jamie, who we've talked about before because she picked up the beer tabs for all the people around her at um, the World Series game, the last World Series. Well, during spring training, she has not lost her touch. She, um, at Saturday's game versus the, the Tigers, she hid 15 envelopes around the ballpark that said, open me. And she had gift cards for concessions inside and said, you know, she announced it on social media and said, if you find one, you know, take a picture and and post it. But there's an an important announcement inside. And the announcement inside was for a brewery-based fundraiser for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, which is in Philadelphia. We could get there from here. Um, And one of the people who found one of the envelopes posted that he made a $100 donation on the spot. Oh, nice! So that was really very cool. Um, so she does this kind of stuff. She does all this fan engagement and all the comments are about. We might even like you better than any of the players. <laughs> and one person, one <laughs> of the comments said, um, "Jamie may have more influence on re-staying in Philadelphia than Scott Boris does." That's so. But, great. So she's pretty cool, and I like to see that. I like to see that. You know we this, these are our people. Yeah. And this is my community. What can I do to make people happy, make life better?
1: Yeah, and I love the like putting it out there on social media, like getting the ball rolling and having other people, you know. Pick up on this really good idea. Buy us beer. Stuff like that. All right. What do you, Joe Musgrove and I have in common? Hey. <laughs> thing, I wish I could, I could. wish we could record the expression on Patty's face right now. Well, unfortunately, I
0: can see the notes, so I don't yeah. think I can answer. I want to make a joke about San Diego or something right. and like there being murals of you and you're no-hitters and all of that, but I think it's actually more of a, a hit
1: situation it is it is we have both fractured our big toes now I'm thinking that I need to I know I talked about my fractured big toe when it happened a few weeks ago several weeks ago I love hearing it and so I I feel like I need to redo my story so that I match up with Joe Musgrove or maybe his story is covering up like I tripped downstairs he dropped a kettlebell bell on his big toe so I should go back and say actually what I was doing was I was lifting weights and I dropped the kettlebell on my big toe but no. Anyway, he uh, they say that he's unclear about how long it'll take, and so I just wanted to give him a heads up that for me it took uh, five weeks and I was not pitching. So I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna take a bit, Joe, but he's he's missing, you know, quite a bit of spring and, training and at you,
0: least. Weren't you advised to refer to it as a broken foot? So yeah. you'd get more sympathy. Maybe that's some advice you can give Joe also. Yes. Like, oh no, it's my whole foot, it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's awful.
1: a big deal. It hurts.
0: Hey, so um pitchcom. We have talked before all kinds of things about Pitchcom. Like, you can record other voices. You can have Pitchcom in other languages. You know, who can wear the, you know, the, the receivers for Pitchcom? Mm-hmm. You know. We've never talked about the volume hmm. of Pitchcom. And it turns out, um, at a recent game <laughs> between the Twins and the Rays, okay, A, it was at the Trop, where there is nobody. Yeah. So there was no ambient noise, which plays into this. But apparently, the volume... Wait, in, in spring training?
1: Yeah, the yeah, they were playing at the Trop. Wow.
0: Yes, I don't know why. Maybe it was weather. I don't know. But they were they played at the Trop for spring training. Um, but the Twins catcher, Tony Walters pitch calm, apparently his volume was so high that the batters and the umpire could hear what the pitch was going to be. And nobody mentioned it for two whole innings. <laughs> two innings? Two whole innings. But, um, That's funny. Uh, but uh, Even Kensa the Maeda umpire. pitched the first two innings and he's managed to pitch two scoreless even though the batters knew what was coming. He even struck a couple of them out with them knowing what pitch was coming which is pretty good. The um umpires finally pointed it out and they adjusted the volume um but okay so pay attention my friends about that volume. It's like being on the metro
1: with the extra loud stuff you think you might be having your music just in your head but really you're sharing it with the whole metro car. I just think it's amusing that an umpire waited two innings like what's isn't he should be pointing stuff out I, like I, I'm like that. just picturing the batter and the umpire looking at each
0: other and kind of winking. Like, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is just, it's just spring training, right? Yeah. Let's see how far this goes. Right. All right, time for those previously mentioned boyfriends. It's time for our Baseball Boyfriends of the Week. We are all the way up to the Guardians for the American League, and I had to go with Stephen Kwan, outfielder, 25 years old, I think uh, most of you probably heard about his breakout season last year, his rookie season. Steven's been playing baseball, like, you know, a lot of these stories that we talk about, since he was very small. He started in t-ball at age four, and there's a cute story that his parents told about his very first game where he got a hit, his first at bat, he got a hit at age four, made it to first base, and did his little victory dance. And, And that sort of being emblematic of just the joy that he still shows and that he's still dancing on the field, He was doing travel ball at age 10, and he used to play in the infield because at that age, at around 10, he was big or average, and then everybody else kept growing, and he did not. He is 5'9 right now, 170, a small guy for baseball. I'll get back to that a little bit later because it's it's tough being a little guy for baseball. Um, His dad was very involved with him at an early age, noticing that he was shining early and noticing also that his size was getting smaller comparatively. And he kept making him use his left hand, thinking that eventually that was going to give him an advantage because more lefties, and it worked. He's still playing lefty now. But his athletic ability comes from his mom as well as sort of his sense of competing for with athletics. She was a volleyball player at San Jose State. So he was... Number three on the rookie of the year list last year because it was a tough season for rookies. It was I mean, a
0: loaded field.
1: Number one, of course, Julio Rodriguez from from the Mariners, and number two, Adley Rutschman. He and Adley Rutschman had been teammates at Oregon State, and I think we we mentioned this this earlier when they won the College World Series together in two thousand eighteen when Quan was a junior and Adley was a sophomore. And what is it, the barbecue episode? The There's another podcast that you sent me to wasn't was it the barbacast barbacast that's uh-huh. it that's it where actually to listen in a little bit about his talking about this you know younger guy who's coming in who is obviously really good and watch out for and his uh pleasure in playing on the same team as him but also realizing like this is a guy who's like beyond his years um last year was a big year for guardians youngins it was a super young team Seven- the youngest in the league that- that's amazing yeah Yeah, and that they did so well like that we're talking about them now because they had been doing so well last year 17 guys made their debut on the Guardians last year which is most for Cleveland in one season for the last 100 years so at some point because Quan was there for opening day he was an advanced rookie and and Terry Francona eventually at a point said like I don't even think of you as a rookie anymore because there are all these other guys coming after him he had the most play appearances for a rookie in mlb last season he had the win and then pretty pretty connected he had the most hits and the most runs for a rookie but he was also the second best overall in mlb in contact and the second best in his swinging strike rate meaning he just doesn't swing he took 116 pitches in his career before his first string swing and miss wow that's so amazing. he was either, you know, striking out looking, but not so much, or making some contact. He had more walks than strikeouts by the end of the year. He got gold gloves, so some sexy defense, 19 steals, and led the Cleveland team with his 298 average, 772 OPS. He was the first player to get on base 15 times in his four, first four games of his career since 1901. Mm-hmm. He's a Cleveland guy drafted in 2018, so you could have seen him in the Ducks in 21. He actually spent a remarkably little amount of time in AAA. It was like 21 games or something like that, and he made opening day this year, this past year. So, you know, clearly breakout 22, there was talk about him playing in the World Baseball Classic which would have been wonderful. So he is half uh, Chinese descent and half Japanese. And on both sides, it's his grandparents. So the the World Baseball Classic rules say that you have to qualify for citizenship of your country, which apparently could have been true in this case. However, MLB said that that he can't play. Basically, MLB ruled against it and it sounds kind of fishy to to me he's he's bummed out um they said that it's because neither he nor his parents actually have a passport from that country but he also said but there are other cases where that has been waived, and I'm sure I could do a little bit better research and find out the specifics, but uh, it's the the whole idea of him playing for the World Baseball Classic, he got from Shohei Otani, and it was when they were facing the Angels, and it was after the game or something, and he said, come play with us for Japan. And he was like, oh, hey, I could do that, right? And he was actually growing up very close to his Japanese side and his Japanese grandmother, and... Uh, she belonged to like a, a local Buddhist temple that he went to with her and and so very connected to that part of his family. But MLB said no. Sadly, he had, so before this, Quan had said, I would just love any chance to represent my heritage. I think that would be cool. So unfortunately, this counts for the Chinese side too because it was the same the same connection. He did go to Japan in 2019 after he had been drafted by Cleveland to celebrate and spent time with his family there. So I just feel, I'm just, kind of pissed off because I would love to see him on that Japan team for the World Baseball Classic. Another thing that he's talked a lot about is what it's like being an Asian-American player, because there are not a lot. And most of the Asian players in MLB are international players. And he talked about, like, who do you who did he look up to while he was growing up some sort of role model? And there really wasn't anybody U.S. born. He clearly was uh, enamored of, of Ichiro, because of you know, that, that age and that area growing up in California, who wouldn't be, um, but it was hard for him to find a real role model with similar situations. So he wants to be that for the future. And he even said that a lot of, he knew a lot of people growing up who were good baseball players, but either fizzled out due to lack of family support or they don't see the rep- representation out there. So hopefully he will um, you know, set the pace for the future. He, when he was in college, he said that one of the things that his college co- coaches helped him the most with is the mindset. So being a small guy, being somebody who's different than other players, dealing with the racism that came up, uh, one thing that his college coaches taught him about is just building that confidence. He did meditation. And part of that mindfulness, I think, also translates into his love of chess, And it actually started in the minors when there was another prospect, Will Benson, who brought his chessboard to the clubhouse and Quan just got into it. And it's a combination of, you know, it's a lot of things. It's the strategy. It's the focus. It's, you know, that kind of concentration. It's the competition. And he even said, like, it's better than doing, you know, some sort of mindless game when you're there in the clubhouse and a good way to relate with your teammates. And so it caught on. So he brought it into the clubhouse last year. There's a lot of guys that he played t- chess with. And he brought his, his chess board. And what I think is super cool is every time somebody beats him, he has them sign his chessboard. board. Yeah. And so he said, it's kind of humbling looking at it, but someday it'll be a really <laughs> cool thing to come, to happen. And also as a result, they hosted the chess team from a local high school, John Marshall High School. He lost <laughs> to the to the kid from high school. I think most of the players lost. But what a cool, like, you know, I beat an MLB player Mm -hmm. in something kind of situation. Um, You know, last quick little thing is we like to talk about our baseball boyfriends being involved in charity work. And he has recently become involved with the Make-A-Wish Association, which is a great thing for baseball players to become involved with. And he found out that they raffle a home every year with a Home Builders Association as a fundraiser. And last year's uh, home that was being raffled by Make-A-Wish was in Ohio. So he promoted it being in Ohio. And they, they tickets were 100 bucks for a home and they beat their goal. So they exceeded the value of the home with their raffle. So good guy. Yay, go Cleveland. Listen to me. Listen to <laughs> you. Yeah, I'm really excited, you know, Cleveland girl here, to be
0: talking about the Guardians because they were so much fun mm. last year with all the young players and all the excitement and going farther than we thought they were going to yeah. go. And But also, these guys have character and yeah. personality, and I do, in fact, want to hang out with them. Yep. I really do. So... um my, my theme for um, my boyfriends, apparently, is guys from Florida, original well, sort of originally. Um, and also, I've got one defensive sexy guy, and I've got one, it's all about the bat hey. guy. But we're gonna start with the Guardians, Miles Straw, 28-year-old center fielder, which is definitely the defensive sexy category here. He's from um, Bradenton, Florida, played center field since kindergarten, So that's really his position. Apparently other teams have tried him in other places because, again, he's about the defense and speed, not so much the bat. So they're trying to figure out, where are we going to use you Mm -hmm. best? But he always ends up in center field. So when he was in high school in Florida, he was actually cut from the team freshman year, but then made varsity sophomore year. So, okay, came around pretty quickly, but he didn't get any bites from colleges. So we actually walked on to the baseball team at St. John's River Junior College, which is where Howie Kendrick came from, World Series champion
1: (laughs) Howie Kendrick.
0: And after walking on his freshman year, he got a scholarship for the following year. So in 2015, he was the the 12th round pick from Houston, so not very high up. Um, Again, it was mainly because he was so super fast and let's talk about how fast it was in 2018 in the minor leagues he stole 70 bases 35 um in in double a and 35 in triple a which led the minor leagues it was 14 more stolen bases than the next closest player um that was in 131 games that wasn't even a full season and that's how well he did um he had multiple stolen bases in 14 games and he only got caught nine times Wow. The man is speedy and he is strategic. Um, But what he had in mind at that time, because again, his offense has not been all that stellar, he said, if I can steal a lot of bases, that's what's going to get me my shot at the major leagues, which is the main goal for anyone in this game. So he knew what to focus on to get noticed. He got called up um, by the Astros. I meant to say he was drafted by the Astros. Um, He was called up in September 2018 Mm. because the Astros wanted him for the postseason to throw him in as a pinch runner. You nice. know, what you, get, you get a close game, whatever. We want yeah. this super fast guy on base. Um, in 2020, the most important thing that happened to him was um, he and his wife, Lily Herman, had a daughter, Riley. Aww. who was born in February. So if you wonder what he was doing during the pandemic, it was <laughs> tending to a newborn. So he's he, there he is in, in Houston. Got traded to Cleveland at the trade deadline in 2021. And here's a fun fact from this old Cleveland girl who's a big fan of Kenny Lofton. <laughs> oh, so in 1991, Cleveland traded a catcher and a relief pitcher to Houston for Kenny Lofton, who was very fast outfielder with a lot of potential, but not yep. a lot of proven stuff at that time. In 2021, Cleveland traded a catcher and a relief pitcher to Houston for Miles Straw, mm. who was a very fast outfielder with a lot of potential, but not a proven record. So good I'm not are gonna saying, happen. I'm yeah. not saying, but I'm just saying I did get my picture taken with Kenny Lofton, so I'm feeling good about this. Mm-hmm. So he was. Um, Miles was having breakfast with Kyle Tucker, my former Houston boyfriend, when he got the call from oh, his wow. manager about getting traded. He said he looked at his phone, saw who it was from, and said, yep, I'm getting traded. Uh, <laughs> but so Michael Brantley, another former boyfriend of mine, played for Cleveland for 10 years and then was on the Astros, and another outfielder. So he and Miles were pretty close. They remained pretty close. So he talked to Brantley when he got, said, I'm going to get traded to Cleveland. Hmm. And he said, he said I'm going to like Cleveland. And if Mike tells me, I trust that guy. All right. So that's got to feel good, right? Yeah. You've got someone saying, you're, you're fine. You're yeah. good. This is going to work out for you. And it sure did, because last April in 2022, he got a five-year extension for $25 million, which will carry Ooh. him through his first um, free agency year. Along with Steven Kwan and also um, uh, Shane Bieber and also Andres Jimenez, he was a gold glove winner. right? Um, and that was the, the four gold glove winners for Cleveland was a franchise record last that's year so that's easy super cool for young guys for young guys he led all of major leagues um, outfielders with 371 putouts. he was second in across the league with 12 outfield assists and he had an, a 0.992 fielding percentage <sighs> defense is sexy he's also super fast he's got a 29.3 um, feet per second sprint speed which puts him in the 94th percentile Wow So the new rules that we keep talking about, they (laughs) limit the throwovers that pitchers are able to do. And there's been a lot of talk about how that's really going to help base stealers. Right.
1: Plus big bases.
0: And um, he said, I'm always looking to go regardless of rules or no rules. But the uh, Cleveland first base coach, Sandy Alomar Jr., I'm a big fan of because of him being a catcher in the old days um, for Cleveland. He's known as having this like extra sense for when it's time to send the runner. The the joke is um, he's like a cheat code. So that combination of him being the first base coach nice. and Miles being fast and the change in rules means that Miles has got a really good shot to do big things. Um, he stole 21 out of 22 attempts in, in last year, last season, which tied him with JT Real Muto for the highest base stealing percentage. The thing I like most about him, the thing that made me notice him was when he quite literally jumped to Stephen Kwan's defense. Mm. And I've told the story before. Um, Last April, um, Stephen Kwan hit the outfield wall super hard in Yankee Stadium, and the fans out there were really mouthing off to him. It's never been clear to me whether it was racial stuff or just you're on the other team or what it was, but they were, like, making fun of this guy who was on the ground possibly seriously injured we just we just didn't know Fuck. so um, there's a lot of video of Miles Straub basically climbing the outfield wall yeah. to get in the face of the fans who were mouthing off and said so later Quan is the nicest guy on the planet that's my teammate that's my brother and then he said if, I, if it happened again I would do the exact same thing so you know a moment later the Yankees walked it off and the Yankees fans threw trash on the field um, including full cans at, <laughs> at the outfielders um, so it was, it was very very bad so Straw referred to the Yankees fans as classless and the worst fan base on the planet, which, of course, really endears you Mm. to all of New York City. So he was receiving death threats. Oh, my God. um, By social media. Um, When they returned to Yankee Stadium during the ALDS, he got booed at the plate. So did Stephen Kwan. um, And they were getting catcalled in the outfield. And Miles Straw said, yeah, there were a few. I'm not going to say what they said. There's no point. They were personal. It's all good though. Doesn't bother me. I'm just out there chilling, playing center field.
1: Man, I mean, he's got to be used to what it's like out there in center field, although Yankees, that just sucks. So, that I just mean, sucks.
0: I like his attitude. I like his, you know, his gut reaction yeah. to I got to defend my people. Yeah. And I you know, I'm not afraid to say it like it is. You guys are being wrong and he said later, "Cheer for your team. You've got right. an excellent team. Spend your energy on that. Why are you, you know, being hurtful?" This which is exactly what we say all the time. Exactly. Don't don't boo, cheer. Yep. Yeah, So, well, big fan.
1: I'm glad that we have baseball boyfriend buddies. Yeah. All right, on to the Mets. A little bit of a challenge for us, because holy shit, their s- starting lineup is all baseball boyfriends. I the entire was, outfield. Is- <laughs> I thought it was nine out of nine, but it's eight out of nine. So we're on to the bench. And I'm, I'm actually very happy with my pick of Luis Guillorme, who's an infielder, second base, definitely bench player, um, 28 years old, originally from Caracas, Venezuela, his family members were carjacked when he was Yikes. young. And so as a result, his father didn't let him go out to play. So what are you oh. going to do? Like, like, life is too dangerous for you to leave the house because oh family members have been carjacked. That's like sh- that's a, a shocking level. It's really super, super shitty. Um, they ended up knocking down a room in the house so that he would have room to throw and field balls inside the house. Inside the house. Jeez. So working on it inside, but at age 13, moved to Florida and was scouted out of high school in Florida. Was going to go to a state college of Florida, but turned that down to go with the Mets for $200,000 in two- 2013. Was in the minors for a while. While he was in the minors, He got to play with Spain in the World Baseball Classic Qualifier in 2016. His grandparents were from Spain and had moved to Venezuela. And uh, and actually also played with Spain for the European Baseball Championship. They did not make it far for the World Baseball Classic that year. They lost to Colombia. But in the European Baseball Championship, they got silver medal. And he was the most outstanding defensive player. And that is what he is really known for. He is put in for, for substitute defense, is what he, what they're looking for. Super sexy defense. And just the other day... It was fascinating because it was the, the anniversary of this play, and I had just finished putting it in my notes, not really of realizing the date, and then the day after I'm seeing it on social media, like what's going on? There was a spring training game where Adeni Echeverria, they're playing against the Marlins, lost control of the bat. So he swung and the bat flew out of his hand into, toward the Mets dugout. Everybody else scrambles. That's what you do when a bat is flying toward the dugout. You scramble away. But just so chill, Luis Guerra is sitting there on the on the rail with his sunglasses on, and he just reaches up and just grabs it. He just snaps <laughs> the bat, and uh, and the <laughs> one of the videos I saw talked about it as as if he had caught the shillelagh is what it looked like just like this (laughs) reaching up and nabbing it so he came up in 2018 was the debut 18 and 19 was a little bit of mixed a lot of time out there in Syracuse so uh, I would love to go to some Syracuse Mets games up there when he came up I think it was 2019 his first home run was off of beloved Fernando Rodney Spring training of 2021 showed his tenacity. He had a 22 pitch walk and just to see oh my the Lord. video of it it's just battling and fouling and fouling and fouling and and the two two of the four balls came at like the very end. So patience and determination in this man and defense is sexy. A little bit of pinch hitting, but He's definitely more known for his defense than his bat, and he is not so much known for his speed. And there was a hot mic, and I can't remember. I didn't write down who was wearing it, somebody at first, but he was at first base, and Pete Alonso was up, and he said, oh, Pete, please hit it out of the park. I don't want to run. Like, (laughs) running is not his thing. He is also um, recognized clearly for his facial hair. He has very large at this point, well-groomed beard. Not quite my thing, but, you know, it's there. But he's experimented with facial hair over the year. years. So if you look back, he's had, like, the handlebar mustache. He's had the whole, like, down-the-sides mustache. The dastardly
0: I, villain mustache. Exactly, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, all sorts of different things. I think that he's sticking with the beard for now. He's also a giving back kind of guy. The Amazing Mets Foundation, a lot of the teams have these foundations that do a lot of good work locally, and they hosted a day for kids with cancer to come for a baseball clinic at Citi Field, and he was one of the players who worked with the kids there and had a lovely post on his own Instagram about it. So I'm feeling pretty good about Luis Guillerme, and uh, maybe he's not going to be playing a lot, but I will be watching intently when he is on the field.
0: Very nice. I've got some of that story is a little bit similar to um, my pick, who is um, Mark Vientos, who is 23 and a third baseman, which is tough going into the Mets because Eduardo Escobar and also other prospects who are good at third base. But more about that in a minute. So Mark is the son of a Dominican immigrant who had moved to New York and upon moving to New York, decided that the Mets were his team. Good choice. A good choice. Given
1: the the options.
0: But also pass that on to his son, Mm. who there's pictures of him. Little Mets, Little League uniforms and, you know, same dream come true. Because he's playing for the team that he rooted for as a child, which is very cool. Um, He eventually moved to Connecticut. But then, as um, your guy, he moved to Florida to play baseball for high school. And in high school, he was talked about as a possible first round pick. Out of high school, school. but he missed some of his senior year with a quad injury. So um, he didn't get picked until the second round he Not had committed bad. to the Not university bad. of miami um initially but when he was drafted in the second round by the mets they offered him a 1.5 million dollar bonus at right. 17 years of age holy he t- was the shit. youngest player taken on day one Oof. of the draft 17. that year so of course he said oh my god mm-hmm, i'm doing that and i'm gonna say that um, all the comps at the time you know when when, you, when these guys are like potential draftees they say who is mm-hmm. he like Manny Machado and I'm going to keep saying Manny Machado as often as you just say Kike to Hernandez. Torture me. Well, yeah, you know, I'm going to match you one for one. You say Kike, I say Manny just for fun. <laughs> just,
1: just You for say fun, Kike, but- I say Manny. Kike, Manny. Kike, I Manny. Manny. So,
0: so, you know, he's you know, he's a Miami guy, he's a right-handed hitter, he's got the stature. He was playing shortstop and will likely get and was getting moved to third, so he's got, actually, he actually does have a lot in common with Manny. Uh-huh. So, um, there's a story about him. Oh, so um He played single A in 2019, and his coach said, in all my years of coaching, he is the player that has the most power I've ever seen, and in fact, he was named the Mets Hitting Prospect of the Year in 2019. Um, There's a story about him um, watching Dominican League winter games with his dad in the winter of 2021 saying... Watching baseball is not fun for me (laughs) because I'm sitting down, wanting to be playing instead of watching. I was watching winter ball like, I want to go play. Yeah, especially there, like super fun. Right. And then, you know, at at the beginning of the last season, they had the lockout. Mm. And it was, even though he was still in the minor leagues, he was put on the 40-man roster. So he was caught up in the, if you're on the 40-man roster, you can't do anything with the team. You can't work out with a team. You can't use team facilities where yeah. other prospects who were yeah. exactly his same level but just not on the 40-man roster had full access to the training facilities at the minor league spring training camp and all that. So he, had a, he was kind of on his own. This is not a kid who enjoys doing things on his own. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty tough. But he talked about how what he worked on mostly was mental preparedness. And one of the things that he does, which apparently is more common than I realized, was he keeps a journal. And a lot of batters keep journals to kind of think about, like, who did you face, what happened, and all of that. And he said he uses it mostly when he's having a slump. He said, mm. that's when I find having a journal is so handy. I was writing down what I'm doing, so I don't go back to this. And the things I had been doing in the past that worked, you go back to what was working for you, and you stick to those nice. things. So he's got, you know, these, these um, mechanisms, these coping mechanisms yeah. to kind of get through the tougher times. He was called up this past September when Starling Marte went on the, um, went on the I.L., And that was the weekend that the Mets were playing in Miami, which is close to where he was from. So he had somewhere around 50 friends and family Ah, in the stands in Miami when he made his major league debut, which is, you know, he's called it a a dream come true. So they're looking at him as, you know, possibly a corner um, infielder or maybe a DH. Again, there's not a clear open spot for him yet. But here's the cool thing about your pal Eduardo Escobar. He's mentoring – vientos he's also mentoring um brett um what's his name brett brett beatty who's another possible third baseman so he's mentoring the two guys who may end up replacing him at third base and um mark said what he learned from escobar was be the first player in the clubhouse every day work diligently because people are watching Mm. right so he made the point of saying the hard work is important but also people seeing you do the hard work yeah. because it's just like, you know, just, just from having an actual job, it's, you know, it's, it's your work, but it's also the impression of your work mm-hmm. that people are going to think about. So Escobar also became Vientos workout partner. Um, and he talked about working with Vientos and also with Beatty. And he said, Vientos is the future of the team. I love this kid. He said, I remember Uh -uh. when I was a kid, the veteran players, all the time, they'd speak to me to respect the game and work hard every day. And for me, what a great opportunity. For me, teaching Beatty and Bientos is the most important part of my career. How cool is that? I mean, like, this is an an amazing player. And he's saying the most important thing is to pass that on, Mm -hmm. what he learned to pass on to these kids, to these prospects. So, um, so many Mets are going to be in the World Baseball Classic. (laughs) And one of the other effects of that is when they all leave, which is tomorrow, I think, um, that, spring training is going to be weird. It, well, it increases the playing time mm-hmm. for the people left behind for spring training. So these guys who aren't playing in the world bas- baseball class are going to get huge opportunities to be seen in in those roles, which is going to work out pretty well for them. Um, so you know how the um, MLB has their, their their tiny little bios for players? His reads like a dating app profile. Honestly, <laughs> I so different. I could not be confirm any of these things, but I want to read this to you as if it's a dating app. All right. enjoys running on the beach and practicing yoga in the off season, usually runs a few miles to clear his mind, enjoys video games and playing ping pong with his friends. He has his own table. His favorite food is sushi. Oh, my
1: God, is that a dating app or that's what? That's lovely. I mean, not that I know
0: anything about dating apps, but I would imagine but, that that's yeah, a dating app.
1: yeah, that sounds really nice. That's the kind of guy we'd want to hang out with. So, you know, either
0: we'll see him play with the Mets or maybe we'll do a field trip to Syracuse. I hear Oof. in the summer is a good time to go, so we'll we'll consider is that. Is the snow melted by then? Uh, the snow is <laughs> melted by then, and our intern may have a little more free time oh, sweet. to entertain us. Oh, so that not that, that that conversation may have just happened yesterday or anything. All right. Hey, next week, we're talking about that other New York team and also the Atlanta Hammers.
1: Ouch. Ouch. All right. Actually, I'm looking forward to it. I have, I've been scoping. I'm, I'm prepared. I am prepared. All right. We're going to do a little bit of women in baseball. We talked about Ronnie Gajownik in episode th- uh, two. We haven't gotten to three yet. I'm almost at the end of my beer, though. This is really lovely. I right? crush a lot. Uh, two, 275, when she was named the manager... First women in high as a high manager for the for the D-backs organization. This past week, she served as bench coach for d backs spring training game. Oh, wow. Working with Tony LaVulo, And and the lovely part of it was how much he took this opportunity. And he said, interestingly, for them to learn from each other. For him to learn oh, from yay. her and for her to learn from him. But just seeing opportunities to put it, to, of putting the women who are already out there in positions where they can keep moving up. Is very exciting. So, yay for the D backs and yay for Ronnie's future there. Also, Taylor Jackson, 24 year old, hired as the first female on field coach for the Greenfield Drive, which is Red Sox. Yay, Red Sox. Who now I think this is like multiple Red Sox women coaching in the Wait, minor leagues. Didn't
0: they lose their women coaches? Yeah.
1: All right. There's okay. So, so there's, they, they've there's, there's a back. balance. Okay. There's a balance. All right. Uh, Red Sox, a minor league team. She's probably going to be coaching around first base. She played baseball until age 15, which, you know, happens and didn't make her high school team, but then stayed involved with strength and conditioning staff, both in high school and also at the University of Alabama, Um, went to grad school and continued working with baseball teams, volunteered at Louisiana Tech, and worked with her community college near her hometown, Shelton State Community College, all with baseball stuff. And so she's sort of used, at 24 years old, she's going to be pretty much the same age as the guys that she's going to be coaching. Mm -hmm. And she's saying that she's used to that because she's been doing that all along. So power to Taylor Jackson for being another woman on the field in uniform. Fantastic. It's our police blotter.
0: Max Scherzer is mixing things up. He's stirring the pot. Huh? He's looking at the pitch clock saying, you know, the pitch clock gives a lot of power to the pitchers to really control the game. So he's been trying all kinds of things. And you know what? That's what spring training is for. Yep. You have a great time, Max. So he was trying different timings, like quick pitching people, waiting until the last minute to get a pitch off, just to see what would happen. So um, in wow. a game versus the Nationals, his old team. He pitched to Victor Robles as soon as the ump started the clock, like immediately, like super fast, and the wow. umpire called a balk. Really? Yeah. So I don't know. How? I because it was so fast. I don't. I don't know. That's weird. Well, that's and not that's a what balk. Max said. Max said, "Yeah, um, we need to work this out. We need to figure out what that means." Th- that's bizarre. He also had a um, an inning inning ending double play called back because the clock had just barely expired when he got his pitch off. So that pitch didn't count so he's been kind of like working all the extremes of too fast like he's the goldilocks thing right here for sure but anyway so max has been having a great time and it allows him to get angry and you know how much we enjoy max scherzer getting angry
1: well i just love the exploring the the parameters like how far what does this pitch clock thing mean and him really showing people all right these are the different things that it that it could lead to and and pushing the envelope a little bit and doing it for early in spring training is a time to yeah, do it yeah. exactly exactly as far as pitch clock um problems that i saw about this week jose ramirez is is miffed pissed maybe at the pitch clock because it's eating into his walk-up music time oh and i didn't even think about that like i like extended walk-up music and you just have less time to listen to the music between between batters yeah so maybe if your song like you've got to cue up the song just right yeah get the right clip yeah poor dude yeah so um
0: the we don't need no stinking badges. is actually we don't need no stinking umpires. <laughs> and the Orioles Pirates game this past Tuesday, the game was officially done after the top of the ninth. Um, the O's uh, lost seven to four, and into the Pirates, and so they didn't need to play the second half of the you know the, the bottom of the of the ninth. But the the managers Derek Shelton and Brandon Hyde talked to each other for a second and said, "Yeah, let's go ahead and do it." Which you can do in spring training. You can shorten a game. You can lengthen a game. Because the point is, the game doesn't count. The working out the players is the yep. thing that counts. And they really, the O's really wanted to work a particular pitcher a little bit more. And the the Pirates said, "Sure, let's do it." And MLB says, "Just clear it with the umpires, and you're fine." Well, the <laughs> the crew chief said, "No," and so the umpires just walked. They just left, and so they still played the bottom of the ninth and the catcher. For the O's, called the balls and strikes. Wow! And they just went on and did it, and just because they, they let the kids games. let the kids play. We don't need no stinking
1: umpires in spring training, apparently. That's that's fascinating, and and it played out fine without the umpires. There were no, no well, issues? you know,
0: see, they, they just had to trust yeah. the catcher who had never played below, above <laughs> double A. But that's how you play sure. in the neighborhood. I mean, who calls it the neighborhood? You don't have an umpire. You the, the catcher is going to call the call the pitches, and
1: sounds yeah. good to me all right so talking about rules um this the, one of the rules is banning the shift and you know on all of the rules i'm not really passionate either way i'm a little in i'm still in the wishy-washy like let's mm. see how this all plays out kind of thing and very much with the shift ban i sort of understand both sides of the argument whatever the red sox are finding a loophole in this? So the sh- the banning the shift means that you have to have two infielders on either side of second base all the time, and all of your infielders have to have both their little toesies, well all ten of their toesies, both feet in the infield at the beginning but, of the pitch. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about the outfield, however. So what the Red Sox did in their recent game against the Twins is they moved their center fielder to short right and moved the left fielder into center, and there was no uh, result really out of this this one play because it was against Joey Gallo, and and he ended up walking, but it's a little bit of a, I don't know, a little peek into – Who knows how this is going to work? And Will Middlebrooks, former Red Sox player, who's now uh, one of the commentators on Nesson, pointed out that this might be something useful at Fenway with the Green Monster, that maybe you do want to pull out of that left field, let the Green Monster do the work if you got like a big hitter, and put the, the guys who are going to be jumping at the wall in right field. I don't know. Interesting. I think,
0: I think that's pretty fun. So it's the
1: letter, but not the spirit of the law. Right. Yeah. So oh. it's looking for the loophole. Fascinating. And, and Mr. Pottymouth is suggesting uh, that we had a musical background to this. But if you guys don't know the song Loophole by Garfunkel and Alex, it's, it's now being recommended to you by Mr. Pottymouth. <laughs> not safe for work. Good to know. Um, World Baseball Classic. We are going so so soon. We're going to Miami, guys. If you're I have gonna new summer clothes for for our trip, <laughs> you are so ready. I am so not ready for the trip, but you're assuring me that all I need is to throw like a bathing suit and some shorts and t-shirts, T- t-shirts and, a bag. and shorts
0: and some sandals and a I'm cap and good you're good. To go. Yep.
1: I am very sad that we're not going to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. play. I know. He is now out. He has had some right knee discomfort. He is not going to be playing with the Dominican Republic team, which just makes me sad. His MRI is okay, but there's some inflammation and you just – got to be um you got to be a little bit careful about this so he's taking a little bit time off from the Blue Jays also um my former baseball boyfriend from 2019 Giants Brandon Belt is going to be getting some extra time at first base along with your former pick your pick from 2022 Kevin Biggio but hopefully, it won't be too long. Hopefully, this is just a little bit of a tweak. And I'm and, just And those, those
0: fill ins are for the Blue Jays, not yep. for the World Baseball Abs- Classic. Because absolutely. Those guys are not Dominican.
1: They're not. Yeah. Thank you. Thank- I'm at the end of my, just my, I just crush a lot. And it's, and it's lovely. You did crush that I'm beer. I'm crushing did, this beer. Yeah. Uh, Robinson Cano is now in for the, you know, the captain, whatever that means. And not all teams have them. And it's a really weird. Uh, title, but it happens, and he's going to be captain of the Dominican Republic team, which makes a lot of sense. He just came off of winning the Serie del Caribe with the Tigres de Lice for the Dominican um, Winter League. And he was the MVP in 2013 of the World Baseball Classic when he was playing on the Dominican team. He played in the last three World Baseball Classics. He is a former boyfriend of mine. He's had some issues along the way, but I'm I'm hoping for the best for him as now the elder, elder statesman.
0: Before you get away from the Dominican thing, I, yeah. there was a very funny article that I read was where they said, OK, number one, the Dominican team is stacked. Yeah. This was before Vladi was out, but they're still stacked, where someone said, you know, the like, one through nine, they could all be MVPs. Yeah, that's how good they are. But they had um, people on the on that lineup write their own, like, their, their batting orders, like, write their own lineups. And mm. a couple of them were, like, spot, like, exactly the same as others. And and so it was really fun. It's like, how how do these players sort of see themselves yeah. and see their teammates?
1: So that was pretty Compared fun. to everybody else. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah.
0: A lot of um, Juan Soto 2 and Manny Machado 3, I'm just saying.
1: Uh, we're going to see in person. We're going to see so. in person. I'm not sure if we're gonna actually see see Team Mexico. We'll see, they might make it out of, so they're in the same uh, pool as the US and Colombia and Great Britain and, I'm blanking, Canada, Canada. So they have a good shot. And Jaron Duran and Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox are both on Team Mexico with a lot of spirit, and they did your typical, like, country school report to the team and the Red Sox at spring training. And there's all sorts of pictures of the rest of the team just cracking up in the audience because they literally got up there with a poster board (laughs) with little pictures, and it says Mexico at the top, and they taught their team about their Mexican heritage. And Alex Verdugo also sprung for a mariachi band to not only play during their their presentation, but to play while the guys were working out out there for a spring training game. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Adam Wainwright is one of the pitchers who at this point is still on the U.S. list. Like this is getting it's the U.S. team has been getting like chipped away a little bit. He is not performing up to his expectations in spring training. His velocity has dipped recently. He is the elder statesman. There is concern. Will he still be on the World Baseball Classic team? And we shall see. All right, our vocabulary lesson this week is not Spanish. I am very amused by Xander Bogarts. There was an interview with him from a Dutch newspaper. And so I got the Dutch, and I am not fluent in Dutch, so I use Google Translate, but the, the headline said, Honkballer Xander, Bogart, Xander Bogarts. And apparently honkball is baseball in Dutch. So he is a baseballer, a honkballer, and I just really love the the Netherlands team, and I really want to see them make it there. It's my prediction that they will make it to the semifinal game. That we see, we'll see what happens. And Mr. you're gonna Potty come home says, with a honkball
0: T-shirt, I aren't think you? that
1: would be so cool. Yeah, for him. Sure, to be, you are. You know. Honkballers, Xander Bogarts, and and actually, there in part of that interview is interesting because that whole thing that you were saying about who's left on the team once these guys go, and that's what he said. He's like in the Padres, like look around, like who would be left when everybody goes to the oh, World so Baseball many Classic? Yep. I would be here with, you know, rookies. I might as well go play for the Netherlands. So <laughs> power to the Netherlands team. It's going to be fun. He's good with Jonathan Scope. If they make it over here, then Kenley Jansen will be able to pitch. It'll be a good team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're going to do some cross-training with the National Hockey League um, for Pride Nights. Pride Nights done correctly. We talked... Um, previously, about the Flyers and the Rangers totally screwing up their Pride nights mm-hmm. and not doing them justice. So I've got um, a solid C for the Ottawa Ottawa Senators Ooh. and an A plus for the Anaheim Much Ducks. Okay, so the Senators um, did a cool thing. They have there's a community based hockey league in Ottawa called the yeah. Ottawa Pride, and they invited them to come play a game with like with um, with veterans with, um, with alums from the Senators, and that was pretty cool. Um, their head coach of of the Senators, DJ Smith, wore a Pride cap during the pregame press conference and he said there's still a ways to go and having everyone feel important and included but these are all steps in the right direction
1: okay the cool
0: thing they did in their stadium was they had giveaway t-shirts but they were different colors so they like they would put like an entire section they you know how they, they lay the t-shirts over the seats mm. here are the red shirts here are the blue shirts here are the yellow shirts. so they made a rainbow out oh. of the arena seats with their giveaway t-shirts which i think is very lovely they did not they did um like the 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 pride tape during warm-ups they did not have warm-up jerseys, so the players really didn't
1: get involved
0: which is what brought them down to a c they did a couple of very visible things and and a community-based thing which are i think are really important but they didn't do a lot with the actual players that's unfortunate down to a c you're a tough grader well they're i'm comparing it's i'm grading on a curve okay because here's the anaheim ducks who had their inaugural pride night on friday number one the team invited um, Lindsay Imber, who is their in-game organist and has been that has had that role for eight seasons to collaborate on the design of the warm-up jerseys. Lindsay is trans and says the message is you are accepted, you belong, and we're awfully glad you're here. Well done. So they like, okay, we're highlighting members of the community, yeah. we're involving people, and the, the jerseys are really, really cool. But that's not what it didn't stop there, which is that it's a nice place. They didn't stop there. The jerseys are gonna be auctioned off to benefit um, OC Pride and You Can Play, which is an organization I'm really fond of. They had a Pride Socks giveaway. so the little rainbow ducks Uh socks to like the first 10,000 fans. They had a photo booth. They had fun things, like a photo booth. They also had health resources. You know, a community-based health resources. They had a local brewery that was giving away rainbow koozies. We're fond of that. They had um, a choir for the anthems. And they had local LGBTQ plus hockey teams. you know how they have like, you know, in between period stuff on the ice? Mm -hmm. They had them doing shootouts on the ice. So they involved local community hockey teams. So through and through, they they did fundraising. They did community inclusion. They did fund things. They celebrated people that work with the team. They did it all. So A plus for the Anaheim Ducks and C for the Ottawa Senators. But look, you can do it right, people.
1: Wow, that is, you know, a high bar right there. Power to the Ducks for setting that bar Power to the Ducks. Up. Power to the Ducks, I love it. <laughs> All right, we're done. Wow. We're going to Miami soon. Not next weekend. So next weekend we're still recording normal, but the weekend after that... It's gonna be some weird ass recording from somewhere. <laughs> from somewhere, it could be the Airbnb.
0: It could be could from be. Lone Depot Park. It could be a little bit of both. Um, you know, you might want to get on our Patreon because I think we're gonna have some uh, on-site things that are only yes. gonna show up on Patreon. You want know, to tell people how to do
1: that? Absolutely. So yeah, we're gonna be recording whatever we can record down there, and it's not gonna fit in an episode. So join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash no crying in B-Ball. You can throw us some money. And we would super appreciate it because that will keep our podcast afloat and it will give you access to whatever we find at the World Baseball Classic in Miami. (laughs) Really, really
0: really could be anything. And also those of you who are waiting on the um, on the fantasy team, you can start working on your um, on your uh, your rosters. You won't have our full list of boyfriends who you can't pick yet, but you can at least start on that. And then I'll send things out once we have finished picking all of our guys so you know who's off limits to pick you still have time to sign up and let us know that you want to participate in our fantasy boyfriend baseball league um you can do that on any of our social media
1: So find us on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, No Crying and B-Ball. Have no fear. Anybody who participated last year, you will be getting a friendly email from the commissioner, that would be Patty, in the somewhat near future. So no worries there. I know some of you guys have reached out to us. But new folks, do that. Get your your emails in because I don't think there are that many new spots available because I think – Sounds like everybody's re-upping. That's pretty exciting. That is
0: very exciting. We may or may not already have the prize for next year's Ooh. winner. Hey, also get in touch with us on social media if you have ideas for um the New York Yankees and Atlanta Hammers boyfriends for us. I think those are both teams where we have um lots of pre-existing boyfriends, as the case may be. Oh my gosh. Um I'm gonna start packing, even though it's two weeks to go.
1: I gotta get going. If you
0: want to see us in Miami, please make sure you're boosted because otherwise you're a public health nightmare and we don't want that. We want you to fight the man it's the right thing to do send your game balls to meredith because there's game balls again and until next week say good night potty mouth good night pie Mouth.
1: and oh fuck i drank the rest of my beer that i was gonna save for the show opening I'm so bad. (laughs) Okay. All right,
0: you did too.